Informative. Educational. Objective. Inclusive. Comprehensive. This is Progress Report. Updates and conversations from the Government Information Service. Good day and welcome to another episode of Progress Report. My name is Ivan Kana. This is my lovely co-host, Gleneva Hodge. And I'm going to say here again, she's going to laugh, but this co-host thing, she is actually the one that runs this show. And she tells me to do something and I do it. Like any good man who does. <laughs> you just do what you're told. But it's been a very active season two thus far. Yeah. We've had a number of key persons, a number of key initiatives that are rolling out. And we have with us today, in the person of the Deputy Governor of Angola, the Honorable uh, Mr. Perrin Bradley, somebody who I've been wanting to get on this show for a while. He's made a commitment to be here, but you know in his capacity, he wears a lot of hats. He has a very demanding role, but he made the time now. We didn't get it in for season one, but we're here for season two. Very early in the season, he committed. And, you know, if he didn't have travels and other commitments, we'd have, we would have done this episode already. But he's here now, and we're going to get into the intricacies of being the deputy governor, um, your role as head of the public service, um, just who is Perrin Bradley, <laughs> um, because people need to understand, like, who you are, what you do. That's what Progress Report is about, is an inside look. It's updates and conversation from the government information service, yes, but it gives persons an inside look into how government functions and what it is. Um, even with the um, youth, um, the youth parliament. parliament and yeah, then yeah, we, we, spoke, we spoke a little bit about you already yeah, on this show. On so. this show, yeah. <laughs> you know, you were one of the first to reach out to the deputy governor in the youth mm -hmm. parliament. And brought, so all this good stuff, how the factions work, the different branches, arms, everybody connected mm -hmm. to one route. We're going to get into that stuff today. And I think we're going to have a really, really good conversation. What do you say, Glenniva? I agree. So let's jump right in. Let's jump right Mr. in. Mr. Bradley, welcome. Thank you for joining us on Progress Report. And as Ivan said, we really want to get into what is the role of the Deputy Governor? Mm -hmm. The entirety of that role, because I know mm -hmm. that there are several functions um, that the Deputy Governor plays. So... Do we want to start as head of the public service? Do we want to start as your role sitting in um, the House of Assembly? It's up to you. Let's you, go. You're stealing all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, f first of all, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation, uh, uh, Ivan and Gleba. It's always yeah. good to see you, so thank you very much. Um, you guys are friends, so they're going to go easy on me today. Oh, of course. But I'm very happy to be here. I'm more than, more than willing to, to share my experiences and job so far. Right. I think it's the best job in the world. I've been having a wonderful time in the role. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been a great phase in my career. Okay. Um, but going back to your point, there, there's several core functions of the deputy governor. And of course, chief among them being deputy to the governor. Uh, and then that's a delegated responsibility down from the governor. Um, the key one is the head, being the head of the public service. I also sit in parliament, I also sit in executive council, and I have a direct relationship for, again, a delegated function, uh, being head of the Office of Disaster Management, the Department of Department, the, the Disaster Management, okay. and also special responsibility for the audit function, along with the permanent secretary for finance. So those are the, the broad areas that if you were to do a job description or what you're responsible for, those are the key areas. Um, but for each and every one of those, you know, for instance, the public service is a whole lot of animal by itself. Yeah. Um, parliament, you know. So I, for each and every one of them, you can go all the way down to, to the, um, the minutia of it all. Yeah. Yeah. So well, those are the core main, those are the, the core functions of Jeopardy Governor. I can count like five different jobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to do. Each right one now. is a substantive position in and of itself. Yeah. So I used, the last time I used this phrase, there was another Bradley 
in the hot seat, if you want to call it that, <laughs> in the person of Miss Hyacinth Bradley. I, I know who she is. You know who she is? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you met her, but she's an amazing lady. So I think between, so too. Between, <laughs> between me and you, she has a cape. She's actually super worn. I'm trying to figure out where she hides it because she does so many things. She's 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 taken the, the nickname The Bridge that was coined here on this show. Right. She's just connected all sorts of things. And I'm sitting here and I'm hearing you and I'm seeing a lot of... Mr. and Mrs. Bridge? Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. <laughs> it all honesty to because you, you, you went through some very key functions and areas just now and like all of them are extremely important. So if I may, let's start with the delegated role of the deputy governor. I, when the governor is off Ireland, you act right. as governor. How has that been? Heavy is the head that wears the crown, yes, but what, what does that feel like in the function of you got to make these decisions? Well, the, the, I think I'll, to me, discharging the responsibility as well has a lot to do with the relationship with your key stakeholders. You know, okay. Of course, obviously, you're acting in a, in, in a, in a delegated function, a responsibility delegated from the, from the governor, so therefore, when you act in that capacity, yeah. there's got to be a proper understanding of well, number one, the the issues that right. are likely to arise, or you know what arise, so okay. and have a conversation about you know how it are, how those issues are to be dealt with. So it's not it's not that you're going to be confronted with something so phenomenal you can't handle. Right. And then when those things do occur, of course, you try not to bother the governor when she's away, uh, so to speak. However, you do have to understand that there are some issues that requires some form of discussion about how they are to be handled. So of course. And also, in terms of the people who provide you advice and support when you're in this job, um, the permanent secretaries, the, uh, the attorney general, the commissioner of police, and so forth, having that relationship with them. So when you are confronted with a challenge, you, you do um, arrive at the right decision, um, no matter how people may feel about it, but at least the decision is based on sound advice from those persons who are responsible for giving you the support necessary. So in that regard, um, you come into the job understanding that that is part of the responsibility, and you carry that weight of the, the weight of that responsibility, knowing that you have a good team of people around you who will offer you the support and advice that you need. So for me, that makes it a lot easier. So there's no intimidation. Or there's no new feeling, so to speak. Right. It's, it's just the nature of the work. Right. You, know, you do the best of your ability. If, if, if I may refer Glenniva takes this over because this is her show. Um, <laughs> I've said it on several shows and I think it's helping people to understand because we're getting the feedback now. Government in its entirety, including all levels of the hierarchy, all factions, judicial, everybody, nowhere operates in silo. What, what, what do you mean? So when I say factions, I ain't necessarily mean factions like how we know. So I would say, <laughs> all right, the department heads, the PSs, the 11 that's elected, the deputy governor, the AG, right. that are ex officio members, the governor, Everyone, no one operates in silo where Angola is concerned. And I think for a long time, people had that impression. They feel like, oh, the deputy governor, if he's making a decision, he's making a decision because he's the deputy governor. And you just said, even in acting as the governor, who persons might see as like the head, right. and you have people that you can rely on, people that, you know, when it comes to making a decision, you 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 draw on these resources. And I... I think for a long time, and I'm not, I'm not being facetious, I think for a long time, some people just think that when persons sit, like mm -hmm. the decision stops and ends with that person that they see, and that's not the case. Well, I think ultimately the, the ultimate responsibility does rest with the person in the office, but the, the point I want to get across more than anything else is that you don't arrive at these decisions lightly. You right. know, it comes with a certain level of um, consultation and awareness of what the situation is before you decide. Right. So it's, it's not just like you're, you're king of the castle, so to speak. <laughs> That's no, 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 it definitely doesn't work like that. I think it would be, it would be you would be a very um, unwise person to approach a responsibility such as this, thinking that you know everything and you I, don't need advice. And you could just simply act based on your own feelings, you know, because you just want to do whatever you want to do. It just does not work that way. DG, and I am not reducing that capacity. I just think in general, that's how yeah. we need to operate. You Like, Glenniva and I, we host this show together, right? But no decision is made. Before I go and I say, all right, I'm going to approach this person to see if 
they can come on the show. Okay, Granny, what's the schedule? Because, like I said, she right. runs the show. And she knows the conversation that needs mm -hmm. to be happening and such. There's always some room for consultation. And I, I think um, persons across the island think that government does not have room for that, that that stuff only happens in the private sector. And there's a lot of consultation, right. there's a lot of talking. I've learned that recently. Because sometimes when things are taking time, they have to pass the appropriate channels, they have to pass the appropriate touch points, people need to weigh in because decisions yeah. are long-lasting. Right, and also, if you go all the way back to what you refer to as factions, I prefer the term branches, branches, branches right. of, of government, uh, you know, the parliament, the executive, and the judicial. So uh -huh. they each have a role to play, and they all are supposed to have a check and balance on each other so that none is superior to the other. Right, mm -hmm. And I think in, in that process, how that's how the business of government gets done. It's, like I said, it's building those relationships, understanding how those checks and balances are supposed to work. So, it's, right. it's, it's so things take a certain amount of time for a reason. You know, it, it takes so long to boil an egg. It takes so long to get certain things through the system. I'm not saying that in some instances things could not be done a bit faster, but right. you're right. There are stages and checks and balances as things have to go through um, in, terms of, in terms of discharging your your public functions. Right, definitely. Anyone? Great. So, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> let's take, let's take, with, uh, maybe lighten it a little bit. Uh-huh. What would you say has been, because you, you speak about all of these functions that the deputy governor is expected right. to perform. Which would be your most challenging? Hands down, head of the public service. Hands down. I, I would have to say that. That's the, um, because um, I took office in June, summer of 2016. And you know, you, you're new to the job, you're feeling your way around, you, 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 you're just you're building up mm -hmm. your confidence and so forth. And then the following summer, we had the monster of armor. Right? Um, so lead, leading the public service through that time was quite a challenge because you got, um, People from you know public servants who would have probably suffered some damage, not not themselves personally, but their vehicles, their homes, from armor coming into offices that are busted up and in disrepair, and you still expect those folks to smile, be motivated, and deliver uh -huh. flawless service. You know that that was a bit of a challenge um, during that period. You think things are settling down, and we have the Angular program where again we're ex expecting the public service, along with the with the strong support of the UK government and. Um, some consultants to deliver, I would have to say, 50 years of infrastructure development between the schools, yeah. the hospitals, mm -hmm. the clinics, yeah. the different buildings, basically to deliver 50 years all within yeah. a three-year time period. And you got that going on. And then when you get hit with um, a pandemic, you have to, you know, so it's, it's so trying to lead and manage through those circumstances has been quite a bit of a challenge. But I'm, I'm very proud of the way the public service has risen to those challenges and the fact that I think we've come out of it very strong. Alma, you know, we built back better. Um, all credit to um, the guys over there in my crew for the work that they would have done and in, 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 in delivering those projects and so mm -hmm. forth. I um, can't discount the support from the governor's office as well. Uh, my colleagues, um, Darren and so forth, those guys did a heck of a job in terms of their angular program. Similarly with the head team during the pandemic mm -hmm. um, to, to get us to where we are now, I think we're poised for some great success, and um, no matter how people twist and turn it, you have to give the, the, the public service some credit for where Angola is now as far as responding to those two major challenges, and I'm very proud to say that I'm the head of the public service during that time. I think my colleagues did some exceptional work during that time. Really did, I'm very proud of the work of the public service. I would say this, and it's just my, my thinking and my conviction. Um, the Bible puts it this way, every step, like every step of a righteous man is ordered. The Scientologists would put it another way. Those that speak about manifestation will put it another way. But they all come back to your faith. So 2016, when you're applying for this job, because he had to apply, he just went hand. Right. You had to, let's get <laughs> out of here. There was a process. There was a process. And he had to do it twice. <laughs> the second time when he was hired again, he had to, he had to apply. Not because he was there, he just isn't passed on. You have to go through a process. Yes. So there was a testing. 
And in that testing, when I say testing, he didn't have to do a physical written test or anything like that. But there was a testing because right. you had to prepare. You had to show the requisite competencies, um, professionalism, er everything that was a, was would, would be a check item. You had to show that. But the way I see life, and I don't know who else sees it like this in this room, you went through all of that not knowing that you were designated or designed to be in that position because of what was coming. That's life. Mm -hmm. I say all that to say this now. We are on, hopefully, the tail side of COVID. You've had natural disasters. <laughs> You've had pandemics never seen before, right? Yeah. You've had economic crisis to deal with. And you said something that I, I hope resonated with, with, with folks listening to the show. You thank the public service for how they carried the country through those things. But the public service carried the country economically as well. When you're, when you're on the inside now, and I'm technically a special assistant in the Ministry of Finance, Public Relations Officer, that's the title. But you hear, you speak, you can trace where... The public service carried this economy for a while. During the shutdown, they were the ones going to work, collecting their salaries, paying bills in multiple homes, feeding multiple homes. It was a global shutdown, so to speak. And, and, and there were those who were doing it officially, uh -huh. and then there were those who were doing it unofficially, because, I mean, uh, you know, People, you, you know of people in need. Yes. And you may quietly offer some assistance once. There's nothing to talk about. Right. So mm -hmm. You shouldn't be, you know what I mean? But but I'm just saying that a lot of that happened as well. Eh? Yes. Yeah. So you know that XYZ is helping his brother who's working in a hotel. But there are there are other quiet ways in which the public service would have assisted uh, many persons during that time. Um, of course. And we don't, we don't have to get into that. But what I'm saying is the emotions of that now. I kind of get a little offended um, when Parsons forget that the public service is made up of human beings as well. That would have had to deal with all this stuff. The pressures you were under, they had the same pressures and yeah. sometimes more because they still, like you said, had to show up and smile. And uh, how did how did they stay motivated? How did you help to impact them staying motivated, showing up and doing their job? Is it natural motivation? What 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 is it? Because I am proud of our public service. I'm just gonna say, um, I think we, we we probably got not probably. I know you have a, a well trained, highly qualified public service, and they get it. They they understand their roles and responsibilities as it is to quote unquote looking after Angola. You know whether it's in the health, education, whatever the case, and they take your responsibilities seriously. And right. the fact that we've been faced by multiple crises during that period, I think for them, it elevated their sense of responsibility even more. Right. That the fact that I, I've got to be, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching kids who may be coming out of um, busted up homes and so yes. forth. Um, it, it, it made, I think, you know, the, especially the, the ones who had to care for us, the teachers, the nurses, the doctors, and Our so forth. level of humanity. Yeah, exactly. That, seen, that, that this is beyond just me being a public servant. This is me being a human being right. and showing that empathy and kindness to the people who, who, who I have to look after because ultimately um, no matter how you twist it or those same I mean if you want to get really down to it um, those that ta those taxpayers are the ones who are paying us yes you see so they, we have to recognize that as well but I think beyond just the whole idea of being paid and you know getting your salary once it's not I think um, the public service they genuinely have a sense of care and duty to the persons in Angola and they discharge the duties with that in mind so to me, the motivation comes from this, this situation, the fact that the country has been hit by the worst natural disaster ever, in, mm -hmm. in, in, in my estimation. I, I've been through Lewis. Yeah, uh, you guys too young to remember Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, See, I, I find that age is coming up quite every, often. I was, that was a cheap <laughs> shot. That was a cheap <laughs> shot. That really was a cheap I, shot. I know. <laughs> but, you know, it, being, being through those experiences, and then uh, you're in this role now, you kind of realize that, whoa, this is not, this is not a time to be slouching, you know. I mean, you got to, you know, and for me, on a personal side, um, my daughter was two years old at the time. Uh, our house took some damage and so forth. My official legal was completely destroyed. Uh -huh. uh, myself and Governor Farrell working some very long hours, and then you come home in the evening, you're tired, 
you know, there's no electricity, there's no running water. Yeah. And then you got a two-year-old kid who's screaming blood and murder yeah. because she picked up trash right after the hurricane. Oh, so wow. that was, yes, it was very uncomfortable. Because with all the water and the mess, and she's yeah. a sucker finger at the time. Yeah. And it was, just a, it was just a mess, you know. And so you got a long day, and then um, you're trying to do your part as a husband and a father, and then you got a screaming baby. So it was, it was quite difficult, you know. Um, and I credit my colleagues for giving me the kind of support that I needed. And I think a lot of that happened around the public service. Definitely. So when you talk about motivation, I think that was part of it as well. People okay. looked up to each other. Yeah. I, I just want to kind of, on that note, and Ivan, you spoke about, you know, we had natural disasters in armor. You had the pandemic right. with COVID. And you spoke a little bit about the financial and economic situation with GST. And um, oh GST yes, <laughs> and I I, I want to get into that. We're gonna get into GST again a little bit later, sure. but I want to get into it in in the terms of there were a lot of presentations, some public presentations that were made, in saying that GST would not be necessary if you were to trim the public service. Mm-hmm. As head of the public service, how do you feel about those conversations? I feel like as if though the public service is too heavy and that the country cannot support the weight, so to speak, mm-hmm. of the size of the public service. I've, I've, I've heard those um, comments before. Um, I, don't, I think it's, it's very much premature to just simply say the public service needs to be, you know, this size or that size and so forth. I think it's got to be a reflection of the services that are demanded person so it's not it's not a simple simple as saying that public service is too big how, and what what is that based on right. you know how do you, how did you come to that conclusion because if you talk to certain people they tell you that they don't have enough resources in certain areas so yeah. perhaps I'm, I'm not saying that there is not there's no scope for some more efficiency gains that can be had through digitization or whatever yeah. the case may be I'm not saying that those those options are not possible um, but I can, what I can say is that the process of filling vacancies is quite robust. Uh, there's a, a wide discussion amongst the department secretaries, you know, the Minister of Finance, the HR Department, Public and to kind of work out, do we really need to fill this vacancy? Is there anything that can be done to redo this function, discontinue it, and so forth? So it's a very robust conversation about um, filling these vacancies and so forth. And if you look at uh, the numbers for the budget, we have been holding strain. Exactly. The numbers for public, public emoluments have been coming in and the budget consistently. Consistent, so we've, okay. we've arrested, as, as far as I'm concerned, we've actually arrested the growth of the, um, the, the, the public service so we know it doesn't mushroom unnecessarily. Exactly. You know, so vacancies, vacancies still get filled. Mm-hmm. However, there's a robust process in doing that. And, and, and to add to that, something that I learned recently, there have been positions on the budget to be filled for years. Yeah, exactly. And they just have not been filled. And I personally feel... Who feels it knows it. I'm not in the kitchen, but I can tell you, for instance, budget 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 period is coming up right now. And I've seen budget period in finance last year just being in. They work extremely hard. And you have sometimes two, I think it's two budget officers. You have the PS, you have the the the, the PS finance. finance, but they have their consistent <laughs> roles that they have to play. And now they have to put together a three hundred page budget, taking into account the medium, uh, term, the MTF. Because yeah, remember, there's so much things to take about, about um, almost five departments and units and so forth. Uh-huh. And each each one of them are designed to do a particular function. They require resources to deliver these functions uh-huh. and so forth. So that that exercise again is pretty thorough and robust about you know for whether it's customs or immigration or. Planning, you know, what, yeah. what, 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 is, what do you, what do you, plan to deliver in this particular fiscal period? What resources are going to be required for you to do that? And that's a very, uh, and then when it comes on the executive council level, it's, it's quite intense. We put those folks through some serious scrutiny as far as like you, you, you know, especially for proposals for new spending. Yeah. You know, why in the world should we give you a hundred thousand dollars to do to fund this proposal? You know, how how are we going to benefit from this? So folks are 
put us on serious scrutiny. Um, so yeah, we don't, don't do... come in and you say, well, we got cash. No, it doesn't work that, doesn't <laughs> work that way. Ivan, I'm glad we're having this conversation because Ivan usually says, look into the camera and but see I'm what I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. <laughs> I'm coming to that. So, so, so we, like, so literally, that's the money bag right here. If you need some money, you look into it and you say what you want. Man, I, that's just my positivity. <laughs> we're creative beings. Yeah. You, 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 have to, you have to put it out there for it to start to manifest. That's what I'm thinking. Because I firmly believe like, I think Angola is on a great trajectory, not just now, but part of our history. I can go as far back as coming out of 1967 revolution. When I think about it in this context, yeah. I, I, I have no choice but to look at us rising as a nation. We're growing. We produce some of the best doctors. They might not be coming home, but they're abroad. We produce, and we have some at home. And we have some at home. We produce top economics, top chefs. You see, you're seeing per capita. The things that we have been able to accomplish as a people per capita, whether we be on the Angola flag, whether our passport is blue, <laughs> but we went to school here, grew up here, that, that initial training, that becoming who you are, is, is in the Valley School Pipe Water. I usually try to plug yeah. Valley School. I know you went to school, <laughs> but it's... You know, it's two things to say in response to that. Number one, I, I'm with you 110%. I mm-hmm. think... We've got to adopt an attitude of hopefulness. Given what we've been through, yes. you got to be hopeful. You know? oh, um, so when I see things like the additional flights coming in, right. um, and things that happen in the hospitality sector, so forth, it gives me hope that people believe in Angola. They want to invest in Angola. <clears throat> they want to invest in Angola. Right. Uh, they want to come here. They want to do business and so forth. I, so I, we have to be hopeful about the future. Um, you know, I, I'm just... And then the second point, you sound a lot like... Um, Former Governor Tim Farr used to say, he's, he's, he used to be amazed that for a country this size, uh-huh. 15,000 people, the varied skill sets, yes. multiple talents and so forth, um, the background and qualifications, it's, it's for such a small place, it's more diverse than you would expect. Yeah. You know? And I think us in England should be very proud of a lot of the things you mentioned just now, you know, pilots and chefs and all sorts of skills, all sorts of doctors skills, yeah. and lawyers yes. and so forth, whether they come back here or not, but we've Produced them, yeah. they were nurtured here. Yes, you know, and I think we should be proud as Angolans that we've been able to punch real above our weight. That is true. So let me ask you one question. Um, looking at the public service, I so so I don't know if it was your case growing up, Grandpa, because you're extremely young. Um, <laughs> but you had two choices, three choices. When you were when you were coming up my age, you're either going to work in the bank, you're going after college, or you're going to join the public service. What has been done to position the public service as the employer of choice? It's a very, very, very good question. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the public service is the employer Uh-oh. of choice. As as <laughs> <laughs> he does put everything else yeah, on. Always, always has been. You know what I mean? And I, I can only reflect on my own journey in the public service and okay. the opportunities that I've had and so forth. Um, yeah, tell us how you came through the public service. Where did you start? You've reached to the top notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. you know, um, I have to give hard credit to my mom, actually, okay. for chasing me out of the house because I was working in Barclays. Uh-huh. Um, I had a girlfriend. Oh, wow. I had a license in a car. Oh, so you were So balling. I was done. That was it. I, there, was, there was nothing else in life after that. I was, drinking, a, I was drinking some water. You what else? Cars what what that else was, was there? You, 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 was you've there. made it. Yeah, uh, that was it. A car, Barclays. Yeah. You see, I told you there were three choices. You know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I had a... I have a you had a right. I have a... I riffed it. Not a right. <laughs> but you, you get the point. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was I was set. Yeah. And that was it. That was the extent my ambition to be quite honest you know and I think my, my mom saw that I was getting comfortable mm. and just had no interest in anything else and she was pretty adamant that this is not going to work oh, not under my house you know you that sounds that sounds like her you know and you would get yourself saddled because at the time all of my um, a, a lot of close friends were drifting off and going off to university and so forth um, and, and, and that caused my mom to even redouble her efforts to say you know and you know parents like to Compare to your friends, uh, but in this case, it worked. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm sure um, Ivan and Glenn don't behave like this. They don't. Do that. You know what I mean? You know, and then it, it makes you feel, you know, you, you get compared to your peers, man. Okay. And it worked and so forth. And I think yeah. I got, I got it together and so forth. Unfortunately for me, um, we were in a 
different economic climate back in the, in the late 90s, you know, than, than, it, than we are now. Yeah. And I was able to get a scholarship to go off to, to university. And that, um, that changed my life. That was the break that I caught that really changed me completely. And one, one year, when I had to go to collect the tuition check and go to the boss at the school to pay my tuition, once is not. When I saw the figure on the check, I was like, whoa, you know, a whole country. Banking on you. Yeah, putting some serious money behind you. And oh. you cannot afford to mess this up. And, right. and from then to now, that moment was, I was like, you know what? The people who are going to have invested in me and I have a responsibility to give back. Right. So at, from that moment on, I just knew that my career was going to be in the public service. I had, I had no consideration of, of doing anything else. That's I mean, at that point. Yeah, I mean, prior to that, though, um, the, the way my, my ambitions were set out to where I am now, yeah. totally different. I couldn't, you talk about faith in people's steps in order. I, I, there's no way yeah. I could have planned and laid it out the way it ended up, yeah. quite frankly. So I, I think from then to now, I just knew that I had a responsibility to be, outside of being committed by a bond, I just think personally, you know, mm-hmm. if you put that kind of money into somebody uh, to train them once, that they have a responsibility to to give back and make a contribution. And I, I think I'm, I'm well on my way to doing that. Um, my legacy is not over yet, but I think um, the time I put in the public service, the, the things I've worked on. Yeah. Um, you know, early in my career, I spent a lot of time on financial services and so forth. Uh, I think we did really well in terms of um, our OECD commitments, FATCA, all these different things yes. that I would have been leading on. Um, I did a stint in trade and investment, um, and I did a lot of cool things with my colleagues uh, in economic development at the time. You know, people like Chantel Gums, um, that crew, I, that was a really good time in my career because I think we, we worked on a lot of cool and interesting things. Um, for instance, like when I go down to Zemmer Beach in particular, Zemmer Beach in Four Seasons, I could I I could remember the proposal landing on my desk and reading about it and so forth and organizing the meetings and trying to get the get it from a, 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 a and somebody's interested in doing something yeah. to MOU to uh-huh. what you see now. So when I go down to Zemmer Beach, I look at it and say, Boy, I remember when we had our first meeting and this was just on a piece of paper. You wanna buy this property, do this, do that, to come go down there don't see it up as a going concern with people walking around with tourists and you know so that type of thing fills me with a sense of, of pride and that right. that is that is why you do what you do right you know? and I think I think that for me is true a lot of the persons in the public so yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's just not my experience yeah. that's not my experience only um, but one one thing I wanted to touch on um, I would have mentioned as part of my response was disaster management uh-huh. uh, now that we're in the peak hurricane season I, I'd just like to um, remind your viewers to you know, be prepared. Yeah. Because we just had a, a close one with, um, was it Fiona the other day? Fiona, yeah. Exactly. Um, we won Tropical Storm and Watch and so forth. At, it's, at any moment, those things can, can turn. And right. I just, just want to advise and encourage person to make sure that they have their own personal preparedness plans in place yeah. so that when you when you get that call or when that bell is wrong to say, hey, you know, within five days, X, Y, Z is the case, that you've already started your own until countdown to prepare and so forth. Man, to be entirely honest, I be checking the weather every day. When I get up in the morning, after a little hill up to Jaja, I swipe in on windy and I go in all the way down 10, 15 days, seeing what's coming off the coast. Because I have I have multiple concerns. <laughs> a major one, and I don't know if you had to deal with this with your daughter, but I think if Angola's getting a hurricane, I need to ship Erin out. Like When a child covers their ears for the entire ordeal, you know that's a level of anxiety that's gonna have yeah. to be dealt with with counseling and stuff all the time. Like even after that, she's the sky bank up to rain. She's upset, you know. And <clears throat> saying all that to say, there are folks behind of us yeah. that we're responsible for intimately and otherwise that are looking at all of us in this room. So in your capacity as head of the public service, in your capacity as a stalwart in financial services, in my capacity as just being the only rest of man that everybody knows I'm going to talk about. That's a good one, right? I'm just saying, like, there are people behind of us yeah. that are looking. And I think from what you shared just now, it'll be a motivation. I think even in just sharing that story, the school leavers will say, wow, you know, 
I have a civic responsibility, not because the cash was invested in me, but there was a teacher that said that I can do better. You know, I went to school and I studied. Let me give a year in this post, in this capacity, because it's just it's just to give back. As a as a as a Rotarian, you you know you go through a four way right. test, and you 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 want to do it because it's true. It's be a benefit to all concerned. I think everybody should live with a bit of that because you do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Glenniver often says, in this capacity, where progress report is concerned, it's not a political show. It's mm -hmm. it's updates and conversations on the government information service because the government is not the elected 11 persons people. I got to get my subject before I'm agreement <laughs> correct because I just get checked on that. It's not the 11. It's every single person in the public service, not just the directors, department heads, PSs. It's every single person. But above all else, the government is the people. So when we were at Blowing Point the other day, and you said it so eloquently, um, it resonated with me. When you said, this is our terminal. This is for Angola. This is for all Angolans and those mm -hmm. that love Angola. Yeah. And that's what... I see the public service as guardians of all this. Because we can't, we can't get... I just tell my son, there's opportunity cost and everything. You, you, he wanted nets today. Oh, but I gave him I gave him money to go to school. He's with. Listen, he had he had ten dollars to go to school with. I don't know why you could buy him for ten US dollars in school. <laughs> but he probably tried to sweet up on the girls then he had that age now. So he ended up spending four or uh, six or whatever yeah. the case may be. And then he's with me at lunch telling me like, Oh, he wants nuts. I said, How much money did you spend today? Oh, he had to buy a Capri Sun, he bought some candy. But I saw him walking three girls to class. Come down there. I got chatty business now. Mm -hmm. So I know that he pocketed a little light. All of a sudden he's coming back to daddy. You know, like he needs some money. And I'm like, no, there's opportunity cost. Yeah. What you willing to give up for what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think in the public service and me and you have had have had conversations in the past, you know, about the sacrifices that are made and how appreciative we are of those sacrifices, you know? Well, you, you touched on something just now, like, again, the team that prepares the budget and so forth, they, they, the kind of hours that they put in uh, to make sure, because the, the budget is a very detailed and a legalistic process, because when you go yes. to Parliament, you pass an Appropriation Act, that is what legally gives the government authority to spend money on yes. whatever needs to get spent, you know, so that that is not an exercise to be taken lightly. So in terms of sacrifice, that is a classic example of, of some of those some of those things, our teachers, uh, especially the ones who work with kids over, you know, after hours on weekends and so I forth. So all, all around the public, so you can see people you know, giving up more, giving, going above and beyond mm -hmm. in order to, to support um, support the public. And, and in a lot of instances, some of it is tankless. <laughs> I know that would get I, you I, started. You, well, you're not the winner of my sales because not only is it thankless, I was actually going to just go and say a lot of it is heavily criticized. Mm -hmm. Because there's a, there's a huge difference between criti critiquing something right. and positive critiquing and heavy and sometimes unnecessary criticism. Mm. And I mean, you spoke a bit about progress reporting. I'm going to sound like... Um, beaten and <laughs> it's yeah, it's a stuck a stuck record because we spoke a little bit about it in our previous episode with Keatstone Graves and, and looking at what a government information service and mm. system looks like. As the head of the public service, what do you see to persons who are constantly being Berated for the jobs that they do. A lot of times, and I'll, I'll just say this as frank as day. Um, a lot of times, it's on public airwaves mm -hmm. where a lot of this heavy criticism comes in. And one of the things I've, I've said to Ivan, I'll say, it, is that persons now have a space mm -hmm. in which mm -hmm. they can utilize to actually put out there what is actually happening and i don't mean what is happening in terms of coming on here and speaking right. about a particular matter but this is what my department does this is how we solve the people this is what we yeah. do and how do you motivate people to take that opportunity 
and to sort of combat some of the negative connotations that that are associated with. And also very, very... Uh, you, you come in hard tonight, man. I appreciate the question. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why. Um, Mrs. Bridge, uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, and she was at... She was in the ministry. They launched this program called Community Desk. Mm-hmm. And they, the rationale for it was... It was premised on exactly the same thing. You guys are trying to do a progress report, which, is, which I think commend you both for taking this on because uh, you're right we, we've tried it um, but not as fancy as, as you are now <laughs> <without going through. laughs> oh, but what, what it was <laughs> the whole, the, the, whole the, the, the point of it was to actually go out into the community yeah. after hours mm-hmm. and bring different departments out and whether it's a church or uh, you'd send them all the case may be so tonight we're going to nod a little bit with the church and the basketball court we're going to have the immigration department there to kind of explain to you what the process is, belongership, public right. residency, passport applications, you know, UK passport, Angola passport, British overseas, you know, whatever, whatever. How, how the whole regime works. Customs, the same thing. We're going to go down to Ray Hill tonight. We're going to have the team from customs. This is what's required to clear a package. And then and we go to the post office. And yeah. the, this, is what's, this is what the process is. So we have been trying very hard over the years to actually um, get the word about what, you know, what these apartments do to combat a lot of that criticism and so forth. And, and yeah, I think what, what's happening here, the nature of the questions, the aims and objectives we're trying to achieve are things that I find to be quite commendable. Yes. So people can know without any kind of gimmicks or shenanigans or gotcha type of questions, yeah. you know, this is what this department is set up to do. If you have yeah. any questions or comments and so forth about, about the work, this, you know, this is how you can contact with us. Because you're right, I, I, I find it very annoying that you have an issue, again, we're not perfect in the public service. No. You know, we have we have some work to do in, in some serious in some areas. That yeah. that's so I gotta sugarcoat that. Right. But what what annoys me is when something does happen, rather than actually engage with the department and the individuals involved, yeah. the first thing people do is hop on Facebook and then you see the, the statuses flying around and what's not. Community journalism. And, and and when when you actually speak to the persons involved and yeah. they explain to you what the situation was. Um, and most times, I'm not saying that we were we were in the right. Of course, we've had you know officers say things and respond in a manner that that would be very unpleasant and unpleasing to taxpaying public. But a lot of the times, um, persons did not get an answer that they wanted or expected, uh-huh. and um, are, are castigating us for actually doing our jobs, are playing laws, our policies in a consistent manner. Uh-huh. And the only way you can combat that is you're ready to go to the community and explain this is what the procedure is, this is what the process is. You know, yeah. this mm-hmm. person, the reason why something, like, now you, can, you can't, the thing is you can't respond in kind. All you can mm-hmm. say is that if an individual presents under these set of circumstances, they are not, they are not entitled to a particular benefit, which is why somebody, quote unquote, who would have been in this situation. That is why they got the response they did right. from a particular department. Not that someone has been mean or being difficult. Or if you want something, if you want to access a particular service, you need to come with X, Y, and Z, not A, B, and J. X, Y, Z. <laughs> this is what's required. You yeah. know what I mean? So if you know, don't don't say well, why you can't take this because whatever. Well, well, my data bought on this. Why you can't take it? No. X, Y, and Z. Exactly. These farms you see are all prescribed in law. These are added as regulations, so therefore yes. the law requires you to present X, Y, Z. And I think, you need, you, I think you need to say that again. Just before you get it, I think okay. you need to say that again. People don't understand. And let me break it down. You can tell me if I break it down mm-hmm. correct. You walk into Inland Revenue Department. They told you you needed to fill out these three farms to get a particular... <laughs> no, again, we could spend time talking about the processing. Uh-huh. I believe in some instances... We could do a lot better yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. how we, how our processes operate. I, I, I will accept that kind of thing. Or even me, accessing some of these services. But why, you know? But then you understand. But at the same time, with that understanding, should also come the next step, which is look, we have to find a better way. Right. You know. I agree. Because there's because there's always room, and I was gonna ask that earlier. It room for reform, and and changing certain things. But I wanted to get back to. You can't have that discussion if the public isn't aware right. of what they are expected to do beforehand. So you end up with that frustration and yeah. that clash because 
you aren't putting that information. So someone is coming and just being confronted and it's like, but I didn't know this, I didn't know. And a lot of times, even I said this to you recently, there was a situation and I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no idea where to begin this process. And if you don't put that information out, mm-hmm. there are people that just run around like headless yeah. chickens. But the question I had was more, do you think that a culture exists within the public service of not wanting to speak? And um, how do we break that <laughs> if it does? I think, I think the, maybe in the past, but I think the new generation of public servants um, are quite confident you know, speaking publicly on, on matters referring to the department. You know? mm-hmm. like, I, think, I think what has torn a lot of us off about being in these settings is the gotcha journalism. Mm. That is that I, I would point. You talk to public servants about it. No, nobody wants to get dragged into. Us. Yeah, you have to. Ex, you know, I mean, like, like myself, ask me anything. You know, I I I, I am a public figure. I'm expected to be able to explain my action decisions in my role. Yeah. Same thing. And, and, but but I think for other public servants, maybe maybe um, more junior, mm-hmm. uh, for them. The specter of being dragged into some sort of political awkwardness, you know, mm-hmm. is not is not cute. You know, if you want to talk about a particular department and the work that they do, then let's talk about that. Right, but if course. it means you're gonna come in a very specific scenario, oh, my cousin come with a pass over, you know, well, you know that that type of that is the kind of thing that that puts people off. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, it ties back to our previous, you know, the thing about this show is that it's pre-recorded. So we're speaking about the previous episode, but you, as we record this, don't have knowledge of. But, you know, um, Mr. Keith Stonegraves spoke heavily about media and journalism yeah. and what that looks like. Responsive. So the responsibility no, I, 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 yeah. of, of that. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago where I, I dabbled. No, 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 not that was like I, I had confronted a, um, a particular radio personality, and, and I, you know, I, in a in a very non-elegant way, I did uh-huh. say he was quite irresponsible. Okay, right. Um, I, I just find it odd that you would go on radio, you would make certain statements yourself, or uh, your guests would make certain statements and, and spot them as facts, and there is no challenge, no pushback. There is no <laughs> reaching out to the other side to understand what you know what I mean it's you just, have not you have not heard <laughs> Mr. Keith Stone's greatest interview yeah and you have just quoted him verbatim <laughs> yes I'm not joking I, I just find it odd and I've, I've been in that situation more than a few times he's been in this job you know and, and again you can't respond verbatim to <laughs> yeah. attack these yeah. things yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's part of the reason mm-hmm. why you, no. guess. And I, I, you, know, you, you can't force people to do these things, quite frankly. But mm-hmm. I think that is the reluctance. That's why folks are reluctant to be in certain settings and so forth. Um, I, I, if, I'm being, if I'm being honest, when it started, we got some pushback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the season, persons were calling and asking, when can I come yeah. on yeah. to the show? Yeah. So yeah. they understand that this is the environment. Yeah. For mm-hmm. that, that coming into this, again, this to me, this is... Um, a cousin to the community desk. Yeah. I, I remember. Like, I, I, like I, remember. <laughs> I, I remember the community desk yeah. um, initiative. But but but, but okay. I think our, our challenge was that we would do it, but sometimes the, the yeah would be would be less than than ideas. But hopefully, this forum is one that right. people can look at it when whenever, whenever they feel they comfortable want, yeah. and so forth and that type of thing. And and um, the only thing is missing was is actual interaction. Yeah. So you can ask questions. Then so we actually directly. we actually get questions. So when we when in, in previous episodes we yeah. have said yeah we're gonna have the deputy governor send us your questions. Person meet us all the time. Mm-hmm. You like so sometimes the questions are stored up. Yeah. Just, yeah. just waiting. Just waiting for the I'll say I'll say to Ivan Ivan, I'd really like if we can have X Y and Z on because I've had a number of questions right. from the public because people go oh you. It's yeah. funny how you get it now. Okay. You get it now. <laughs> <laughs> they go, oh, you're the one that's on progress report. You're the one that's on that show. Oh, you're a local um, celebrity now. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, 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 I don't like it. I'm, I'm still not comfortable with it. But I, I do appreciate persons feeling comfortable enough to say, when are you going to have so and so on? Because I want to know. And I go, oh, you want to know this? And I keep yeah. a note of 
what it is that the public wants to hear because at the end of the day, even like you say, government is about the people. Yeah, mm-hmm. And the people, and I, I, I'm going to just say, I'm outside. I mm-hmm. am an outside. I'm not a, I'm not an employee of the government of Anguilla. I am outside of the public service. Mm-hmm. And so my perspective has always been as someone on the outside i don't always necessarily know and understand what is happening i've had the opportunity privilege i I live with my dad Mm -hmm. as someone who was a career um employee of of the public service in the government of anguilla and a lot of times i would complain about things and he would say to me you don't understand how government works. <laughs> you know, government doesn't work that way. And and we would go right, at it, yeah, not yeah, push yeah. back. And just like you're saying, that sometimes there are processes that... But I, I was able to gain a greater appreciation for the systems of government and the way that certain processes work because of that. But I know that not everybody has that privilege. Yeah. And so through this medium... I hope to be able to present that to the general public so that they do understand. And even persons, I'll tell you, I've spoken to persons within the system as well that don't necessarily understand. So having this forum to be able to bring that, that is something that I remain passionate about. Well, by by, by the way, um, your, your dad is somebody I hold in, in very high esteem um, during my career. Early on, and, and even now, you know, has always had what to say, you know, he doesn't pull in the punches very direct and, and so forth, and which I very much appreciate. Oh. I just have one bone to pick with him, so when you get home tonight, please oh, remind him that he was supposed to take me fishing, and he ain't yet. That promise, he said when he retired, he was going to get a boat, he was going to go fishing. Which retirement? The first one or the second one? Because I feel like he retires yeah, yet. And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go fishing, I tell him, I'm still waiting for my fishing trip. I can, t- and, I can and, tell and, him. Because now it's off season, so you gotta catch him now. Cause come fifteenth October, you ain't catch them again. So. <laughs> but but we got, we, so I digress. <laughs> not a problem. That's what we do here. That's what we do here. But we have we have checking our time. Just about a few minutes left, and I wanted to get to another aspect sure. of your role, and this one is one of those uh, we've spoken sure. about about this. The role of the deputy governor in parliament. Mm-hmm. We know that the deputy governor sits in parliament, and thanks to the GST legislation, <laughs> <laughs> we know. What are you talking about, Willis? That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I mean, I'm, I'm open to the question. I mean, it's a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. I have I, I, it was a vote that took about. That's if that's what you want. I, I was going to say. I should Jude, be able to explain it. I have no, no problem doing that. Right, but we know that. Because because of that legislation, the deputy governor voted. And a lot of people beforehand did not realize yeah. that the deputy governor and the AG had a vote in parliament. So no, our, our constitution provides for that, that we are full members of parliament and um, executive council. Now, before anything progresses to parliament, it has to go to executive council. It's chaired by the governor. The governor is not a member of the constitution. The governor chairs it, but it's not a member. It's made up of the five ministers and myself and Attorney General. So therefore, before anything progresses to Parliament, um, it has to go to Executive Council. But the principles of collective responsibility, there which we is. are all bound by, and if you read the Guide to Executive Council Operations, it lays it out what your obligations are as a member of the Executive Council. So whatever wranglings we may have within the Executive Council Chamber about a particular matter, when a decision is made, you know, you are expected to support it publicly and privately. So right. therefore, once a matter has been considered, duly considered by executive council and approved by executive council, again, you don't have to get into who supported it in there or whatever the case may be. The fact of the matter is we are all bound by that principle of collective responsibility. So therefore, once that decision is made in executive council that this is the direction of travel or this is the decision that has been made when it comes to parliament, then you're expected to mirror, you know, to, to support whatever the initiative is. It doesn't have to be a vote in Parliament. It just has to be a decision that the government has taken. You, yeah. know, you can't be an executive council um, and, and then do otherwise in a different forum. Uh, and that, that is the cleanest, the simplest explanation I can give for why I voted the way I did mm-hmm. in, in, in Parliament. And that's just the nature of how all government apparatus works. Yeah, they're, they're tough decisions. And I, I often pointed out 
Because when I when I came into this role, the PAS sat me down yeah. and she showed me that. Not only that too, but the the, the records yes. on executive council are, are public public records and so mm -hmm. forth. So you can see the trail of decisions yes. regarding mm -hmm. GST and exemptions. It's all there. You it's know all there. Yeah. Exactly. So there's nothing of, of the series of decisions that were made. Again, mm -hmm. you know, I I think it's distasteful because again, confidential is another part of it as well. You don't need to get into. What wrangling would have gone on? Mm. As as would uh, we come to these some some of these decisions are very very difficult and and it can as you would expect. Yeah, you got different personalities, different mm -hmm. backgrounds, different viewpoints around that table, and it gets heated at times. You know that's just the nature of it. But yeah. at the end of the day, uh, we're all professionals, we're all colleagues, and we're all class of people. So you, we know how to engage it. So it doesn't have to be open warfare. You know people people seem to think that is that in there could be a fight, but it's not. It's actually people passionate about Anguilla and having sometimes different views on it. And But at the end of the day, we all arrive at a decision and collectively we stick by it. And that's just the nature of it. I, I think the whole thing falls apart if, if those principles are not respected. Of course. And my thing is, uh, when you say fall apart, I think the whole thing fall apart in the social context when persons, and we touched on it earlier, are allowed to wrangle on and take certain views and there's no there's no repercussions for those things because the airwaves, the media houses, their source, you can have your opinion. Mm -hmm. But when you take this opinion now and try to drive it into an action that is contrary or questions the integrity of the process, those are things that I have a problem with. Well, two things I, I'll say to that. Number one, um, going back to a point you made earlier in the discussion about being hopeful, I am very... I, I am convinced, I know for a fact, mm -hmm. that we have a very discerning public. Anguillans ain't foolish people. No. They can pick sense from nonsense. They're not, they're not, they're not, we're not foolish people. We like entertainment, but we... Exactly. Like so at the end of the day, they can pick sense from nonsense and so forth. So mm -hmm. we can get on the radio and say whatever you like. I'm not saying it should be encouraged or whatever the case may be. And at the end of the day, um, people have freedom of speech. Right. I, I, although I wish they would be a lot more responsible with some of the commentary. <laughs> I just feel that I believe in my heart that at the end of the day, the Dizalan Angolian will pick sense from nonsense yeah. and know when somebody is talking about a bunch of nonsense. Um, so that's what I feel. And secondly, um, we've been talking about constitutional reform for quite a while, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think, I'm not representing the views of the UK government when I say this, but, but I'm, I'm saying, Again, public pronouncements and so forth from the very beginning that this is your constitution. And whatever you want it to look like, you go ahead and, and we'll, we'll go from there. We're, we're open to whatever considerations you have. Talk to, have your consultations and so forth. Decide, you know, it's, it's more about you than anything else and so forth. And I think that, so that's another part of it too, that, that there, there are avenues and vehicles to, to address concerns. You know, you don't like the fact that the Attorney General and um, the, the Deputy yeah. Governor have a vote in Parliament. No problem. Next one, the constitutional talks. Address it. But you, it's so simple. It's Ooh. funny that you say that because when that happened, that's the call that I got. She said, <laughs> when Ivan said, you know, Ivan, this is the stuff, you know, paraphrase, not a grain. My gears. She said, because when those <laughs> consultations was going on, the same four or five people were there. Yeah. This thing passed, went through. And nobody ain't know the ramifications of it, but then they come behave like they say. Oh, I'm speaking. I, 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 one, one, one thing I'm very fortunate to have is that the the, my, the people around me, uh, my friends, my family, and so forth. Um, a lot of them, you know, they, they, they had what to say about it. Yeah. Some understood. Some didn't. Some were upset. Some won't. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we could still talk and engage. That we don't. I don't have to come to be a discontentious, you know, mm -hmm. awkward way. And I, I wish that when we do have these differences, um, whether it's political or policy, whatever the case would be, that we could still trash them out in a sensible way. You know, just talk and have a conversation about it. And so yeah. and I find that, and, and within that conversation, most of the people I've spoken to about it may not necessarily agree, but they, were, they understood. Yes. Like, oh, okay, now I get mm -hmm. what the process is, what the structure is. Now I understand what the situation is. Now I can clearly see, okay, I get it. I, I get it completely now. I still think you were wrong, but I understand. You know what I mean? I can deal yes. with that. I can yeah. deal yeah. with that. I can deal with that. You know? I think you've both touched on and I, Ivan, you know, I, for, I forgot that I called you, but it sounds exactly like something that I repeated over and under. And 
we're not going to get into it because we will at some point have to get into constitution reform and, and those talks. But yes, in order to know and to appreciate and to understand, you must know what guides you. Mm-hmm. And our constitution guides us. And the constitution allowed for... And as you say, if, you, if, if we as Anguillians want that to change, we don't like it, we want that to change, then that has to be communicated I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself because I I, I was gonna go on and state because I've listened to those consultations and I've listened to hey, the don't issues. Mind the Let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm watching my talk, not the clock. <laughs> but I've listened to the discussions and I've listened to the conversations, and it's unfortunate yeah. because those matters that people then realize, ooh. I don't necessarily quite like this. I don't necessarily quite like that. Non-elected persons have a vote, but those issues weren't allowed to be given air during those constitutional consultations uh-huh. because we focused on some very narrow areas. Yeah. And I will leave that as that <laughs> while we count that clock down because... <laughs> I got one thing. I got one thing I gotta <laughs> ask. Uh, this is just on the lighter side, and it came from a question that was recently asked in the youth conference. Um, you know, there's a right. national youth conference. This was during straight up conversations. This was during straight up conversations. I'm, okay. I'm probably my first, maybe second, maybe my first. Or well, back on it be my first because yeah. who I remember. Um, but it's it's on the concept. It's on the notion, it's on the premise, whatever we want to call it, I don't know, of national pride. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you're, you went to road school, and, yep. and, and, and your time, you guys would have taken quite a few beatings from Valor Primary. So you might not have developed um, that Trump level shame. of pride. <laughs> that level of pride there, but you went off to university and you are a Howard University graduate. Proud Howard. That's that's it, a proud voice. I I didn't have to say it was coming out. But when you spoke, I heard the proud Anguillian. How do we translate that? Like looking back at what you went through that you can say without a shadow of a doubt, a proud bison. How do we get that to translate into people saying I'm a proud Anguillian? Boy, I can't Another very good <laughs> question because we are we all we all come by that sense of pride and duty and responsibility to the different paths. But I, I just want to go back to your, your jab about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so let, me pos- let me position myself no, 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 no. so you know where we. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. It's 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 it's, it's one, of, one of them turning points in my life. You want to have to talk about music all yeah. you want. Like, we didn't get to talk much about my and the persons, but I, but I wanted to use that just to weave that in a little bit. Because, uh-huh. you know, you know I, I like this stuff. Yeah. Um, but one year we did win primary school sports. <laughs> okay. I would have to say that was about 88, 89. Yeah, it's and, Yeah. We, one we, of those half years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, mean, I, was still, I was still in primary school. Like, I mean, like, I went, like, I went like, to high school in 89, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I would, let's say 88, 89. It yeah. could have been one of those years. Somebody had a flu or something. Uh, I, I mean, they, they, they won the last one in the world. They've been right since. <laughs> and, 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 and as part of the celebration, uh-huh. a, a band came to play um, at the school. They had Channel Lloyd in it, uh-huh. Preston. Um, so he goes by Issa now. Yeah. Um, you know, Ian, Ian Connor. Yes. Ian Connor was a drummer. And um, I can't remember the other. I think the band was called the, the Black Bridges or whatever the case for me. It was the first time I'd ever seen a live band oh. perform. And from then to now, just give me a, a fascination live with concerts music, yeah. and live music and what's not, you know what I mean? So when you see me looking at Todd Wallet, <laughs> that's my thing. That's, yeah, that's where it that's, came from. Yeah. So yes, Rose School one sports that one point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. So what I'm saying is that there are, um, going back to the whole analogy, uh-huh. when you understand the footsteps you're walking and the legacy of people who would have That's come it. to Howard before, you know what I mean? Starting in recent times, the current vice president of the U.S., I'm Kamala Harris, yes. is a Howard graduate. So we can go on and on and on and on, right? My point is, once you understand the, the legacy and the footsteps of who, whose shoulders you're standing on and so forth, to me, you can't help be 
proud to be a part of our legacy. And the same goes for us in Angola. Right. When you start all the way from people like Ronald Reps and so forth, yeah. um, you know, a lot of our stalwart educators and so forth, when Mr. Ray, you know, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's a living legend. His yeah. contributions mm -hmm. to Angola are, are undeniable. So when you well you can't you can't take your mom off that list you know well you know don't you don't talk I'm, about I'm, any nepotism I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you I'm biased and then she's a politician so I don't want to get into that. I, I understand <laughs> that but your mother your mother have saved many of young men because when I could have been getting involved in all sorts of things I was going down to that little house opposite the Church of God of Prophets in South Hill on Saturdays with Kiel to go type in and look we ain't too bad right yeah. now but I'm just saying there are, there are people that would have made yeah. those contributions mm -hmm. in sacrificing their time you understand it wasn't about making a forty dollar or thirty dollar. It was about developing soft skills and convictions in, 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 in young men and young women to allow them to grow into positive contributors to society. And I think that's what you're you're talking about when you talk about that legacy. Yeah. So how do we capture that within the public service? So persons can start to display a bit more. Because there is there. Yeah. But open pride. So to say I'm a proud Angolan. I'm a proud member of the Angola Public Service. I'm a proud civil servant. Like I'm a proud bison. But that's, uh, I was going back to, that's what I was saying. That when, you, when you look at someone like the, the, the career, or someone like Rodney Ray, the contributions in various spheres, and even now, yeah. uh, with our last election and so forth, you know, to me, when you look at their contributions to Angola, and, and, and when you understand where Angola was right around, the, the, the issues that sparked the revolution, and where Angola was right after, to see where we are now, and the fact that these, these sacrifices, you know, people like Ronald Repster and, and, and um, you know, Reverend Carter, yes. all those folks would have made some serious sacrifices because they believe in Angola. So when you understand that, what the, the, the level of sacrifice that were made in order for us to have these kind of opportunities and so forth, to me, you can't help but be filled with a sense of prayer that, wow, he was from Angola, yeah. He mm -hmm. did these different things, but then I, I definitely I can do that too, you know. So yeah. I think a lot of us in the public service too need to, to, to and I've said, spoke about this, spoken about this before, need to kind of reflect on those who came before and the fact that they, um, even if they had opportunities to go abroad and do different things, they decided to stay here right. and use their time and their talent uh, to build this country up. So to me, reflect on those legacies, like those stalwart um, people in the public service who went before us and so forth, you know. Yeah. Uh, and to me, once you spend some time and understand what your role is in terms of moving Angola forward, to me, you can't help be filled with a sense of pride. Amazing. And on that note, on that note. <laughs> I know when we started, you were like, an hour? As long <laughs> everyone that sits in the seat, there's no one that's ever there's gone no on an hour. I want to sit up. I want to apologize to our radio stations that oh, broadcast this. No. Yes. Thank you so very much for being very patient with us when we, we go over time. But these discussions are necessary. Yes. This has been an excellent conversation. I enjoyed it tremendously. I hope you, our listeners, have as well. Ivan? That's it. I have nothing else to say except this has been another great conversation, another excellent episode of Progress Report. Stay connected. Remember, we are on NBR Grace FM. We are on Cool FM. We are on Upbeat Radio. We are on Radio Angola, the nation station. We are on Advent Radio. We are on KCN TV Channel 4, Digicel Cable Channel 6. And if you are in the diaspora, we are on all major streaming platforms. Search out the Progress Report podcast. You can have all the episodes there. Email us your questions. Email us your suggestions of guests to public.relations at gov.ai. Uh, you can see the superstar Glenifa in the streets and just... Flag her down like Beyonce and get your point across. But we want to hear from you. We are doing this for you. I think an educated, public and educated community will take this island to the next tier, the next level. And that's what this is about. So until next time, this has been another wonderful episode of... Progress Report. All right. Evan, thank you very much for, um, for having me. Yes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, I did. And whenever you're ready for me to come back, let me know, man. I'm... I'm Great. Yeah, great. This has been a <laughs> wonderful experience and you know the work you guys are doing is phenomenal, keeping the public informed. So again, come kudos to you. Thank for you. What you're doing as well. But thank you very much. I had a wonderful time. Happy to come back. Thank you. Definitely so back. That you heard it here, he'll be back. All right. Thank you guys for listening.